chapter 15, verses 27 through 32. And if you want to put a finger in Isaiah chapter 52, you could turn there if you want to, get a head start. We'll be in Isaiah 52 and 53. Mark chapter 15, verse 27. And Isaiah chapter 52. Jesus has been crucified. He has gone through much at this point. And we pick up the story today with Jesus on the cross here in his final hours. I would encourage you uh, to read the other gospel accounts of this. If, you, if you're reading along and studying along with it as we go through it on Sunday mornings to Read Matthew and, and Luke and John as well to see what they, they say. There are, there are lots of different details that all of the gospel accounts give you, some that are in one and not in the other. And when we, when we put all those details together, it really helps the story to come together. So that might be some good reading for you if you, you kind of want to dig in a little deeper to the things we talk about on Sunday mornings. But we'll read through the text and then we'll pray and jump in. Mark chapter 15, verse 27, they crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, and he was counted among outlaws. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha, the one who would demolish the sanctuary and build it in three days. Save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him to one another and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him were taunting him. Let's pray. God, we come to you today and I thank you for these good words. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak through me today that you would just take control of our hearts and take control of our minds, God. I pray that as we reflect on the life of Jesus and here now the death of Jesus, that you help us to just, just see something in your word. God, let it, let it speak to us. And let it change our life, dear Lord. We, we don't want to just come here and sit on a pew and read your word or hear your word. God, we want it to change our life. And so, God, I pray that you'd let it work in our life. You know what we need to hear. You know what's on our hearts. You know what we're going through. You know what we need today, so I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would work with each one of us in the way that we need to be worked with. Just hide me behind the cross, dear Lord. Take away any fear I have to preach and any worries I have or any pride I have, dear Lord, that, that all the glory is on you. So just give me the words to speak and be obedient to you today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Here, Jesus is nailed to a cross with two other criminals, the really the worst form of punishment that, that, that anyone could have. It was reserved for the worst of the worst folks. It was an excruciating uh, punishment for those who were hanging on crosses. And here was Jesus, and, and there with Jesus was two criminals, and one on his right and one on his left. And, and as we see with many things in the life of Jesus, it says that this occurred so that the Scriptures would be fulfilled. Many of the things we see around the time of the birth of Jesus and around the death of Jesus 
we, we often see the writers of these New Testament books say something along the lines of, so the scriptures couldn't be fulfilled. Even Jesus sometimes will say things and say, so the scripture will be fulfilled. And, and that's what we see a lot in Jesus. And we don't want to miss that. I mentioned that a week or two ago, that Jesus is fulfilling many of the things that we see in what we call the Old Testament. And, and one of the things that Jesus is fulfilling, many of the things that he's fulfilling is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 52. We'll start there and we'll read. I won't, I won't preach through all of those that chapter and a half, but we want to read that. I think it's good for us to read Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, and see exactly what was prophesied about this Messiah who was going to come, the servant of God, a suffering servant. Oftentimes we, we may see that uh, referred to when we talk about Isaiah and some of these passages about Jesus, that they are a reference to the suffering servant. And that's indeed what Jesus was, a suffering servant. And so when we read the words of Isaiah chapter 52, and we'll start in verse 13 all the way through Isaiah chapter 53, when we read these words, we see almost instantly, if we are familiar with Jesus, that these words are talking about Jesus. And maybe you're not terribly familiar with the story of Jesus. But, but as you read through Isaiah and you read through the gospel accounts of Jesus, you see that Jesus is fulfilling all of these things that were spoken of. Now, for us, it's easy for us to make those connections because maybe we've, we've heard the story of Jesus and we see those things and we know. But for the people of Jesus' day, they, they only knew Isaiah. They only had Isaiah. And and those who were seeking the Lord and kind of tuned in to what Jesus had said and what was going on, some people no doubt remembered these words from Isaiah 52 and they, and they put, put the pieces together and were able to realize that, hey, wait a minute, this is, this is the one, this is the servant of the Lord that we, that we heard about in Isaiah. This is him. Sadly, many people of Jesus' time did not, did not put those things together. They, they had no desire to. They didn't really care. You probably could have pointed them out to some of the ones who wanted Jesus dead, and it would not have made a difference. But I believe that there are probably some people who recognized in that moment, hey, this is the servant of the Lord. This is the Messiah. This is the one that was to come. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. And we'll read all the way through the end of Isaiah 53. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man and his form did not resemble a human being. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him for they will see what had not been told them and they will understand what they had not heard. Who has believed what, he, what we have heard? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. 
But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man at his death although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. He will see it out of his anguish, and he will be satisfied with his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil, because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. What a powerful few words that we see there in Isaiah about the fate of Jesus Christ, the servant of God who came and who was beaten, and people couldn't even bear to look at him. Jesus came for those people who rebelled against him, for those people who hated him. And those people are you and I. It's me and you, not just those who were there that day, but it's, it's all of us. And for that reason, Jesus went to the cross that day. And for that Jesus, reason, Jesus was nailed to the cross. And for that reason... The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus so that it would not be poured out on us should we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And it was all for good, though, that God's plan would be accomplished, that the servant of the Lord would suffer these things so that by his wounds we may be healed of our sin. It was through these things and through the suffering that Jesus did that goodness came, that goodness came for us, but, but goodness comes for Jesus as well. That because of his sacrifice that pleased God, that Jesus would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That it was to Jesus that God was pleased, that Jesus is his son, that God is pleased to have us as his children through what Jesus did. And so when Jesus is on the cross in Mark chapter 15, and Mark says that he's hung between two criminals so that the scriptures will be fulfilled, he is speaking of Isaiah at the end of 53 where it says he was counted among the rebels. He was counted among those lawless folks, those evil folks. And here the scripture was fulfilled. One who was innocent. One who had done no wrong. One who was not guilty of a single sin in his whole life. Yet he was counted among the criminals. 
And in Mark chapter 15, verse 25, it says, excuse me, 28, 29, it says, those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, ha, the one who would demolish the sanctuary and build it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Now we've talked about this in the last few weeks that when Jesus was speaking of, of the sanctuary being, being destroyed, he was speaking of his body. He was speaking that his body would be destroyed and then three days later it would be raised again. And, and the people had missed that and they, they brought that up in the mock trial of Jesus and, and they still don't have it. By now they still are, are using this as a way to insult Jesus and the pain that he is enduring and all that he is going through, they bring this up again. Oh, you are so, so high and mighty. Going to destroy the temple. Going to demolish the sanctuary and restore it in three days. All your strength and power and you can't even come down off the cross. And you can imagine that some were laughing and mocking Jesus while others were there mourning Jesus and what he was going through, had gone through and was continuing to go through. And they told Jesus that day, save yourself. Save yourself. And I suppose Jesus could have very well done just that. He could have saved himself, but that would have been the end of you and I. He could have saved himself, but there would have went our hope in the process. And Jesus considered it better to suffer and to give his life so that your life could be saved. Jesus did not stay on the cross that day because he was powerless. He stayed on the cross that day because... He had all the power in the world. He had all the love in the world. That's what true power and love really is. That's how true power and love really exhibits itself. It is used for the good of others. It is used to, to, to treat others right when they treat you wrong. It is used to help others who cannot help themselves even when they are undeserving of it. Perhaps that type of power and love is a lesson that you and I need to take a few moments to think about today. How much power do we have in our life? Well, any power we have has been given, us, given to us by the Lord. We don't have any power on our own, but perhaps some of us do have power in some capacity. Maybe it's the power to be a boss at a job or the power to be a mother or a father or a grandparent or power to be a pastor or the power to... Whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. There are, there are positions of power and, and, and things that God has allowed us to be in charge of, so to speak. He's put us in those positions. But what are we using our power for? Perhaps with our power comes some wealth. Perhaps with our power comes the, comes the ability for us to pick up a phone and call people who are more powerful and say, I need help in this. How are we using our power? Are we using it? For ourselves, to benefit ourselves, or are we using it for the benefit of others? Jesus used his power for the benefit of others. He could have used it for the benefit of himself. He could have used it to heal his wounds. He could have used it to ease his pain. He could have used his power to send lightning bolts from the sky and strike these who were mocking him dead on the spot. But Jesus didn't do it. Jesus hung there on the cross with few words and his pain and suffering because he says there is something important to me. There is something more important to me than my comfort. And that something is you and I. 
You and I are more important than Jesus' comfort. Jesus said, I will suffer the pain. Jesus says, I will lay my power down so that I can have you. And you need to know that today, that Jesus wants you. He didn't, he didn't die on the cross for no reason. He died on the cross for every single person who's ever breathed a breath that would turn to him. And he certainly didn't do it because we deserve it. We might, we don't want to say this or even think it. Truth be told, though, we might have been the very ones there mocking him that day. We may have been the ones saying, if you're so high and mighty, why don't you come on off that cross? Perhaps we do say it in the way that we live and our actions and our disobedience to God. Maybe we don't utter those words, but perhaps we have the same heart as the very folks that were with Jesus that day. Verse 31, in the same way the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him one to another and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. But they kind of had it backwards there. He didn't save himself because he wanted to save more. Yeah, the others he had saved, praise the Lord, it was great. He healed many who were sick, raised people from the dead. But that wasn't enough. He could save them in the moment, but... But he didn't just want them to be saved and healed in the moment. He knew that if sin wasn't dealt with, it would continue to run its course. Even those who were sick who were healed, if sin was not dealt with, it would, it would have the final say. And so did, Jesus didn't just want to save people for this life. He wanted to save people for all eternity. And here are the chief priests, those who should have been the men of God, the priest of God who should have known the Word of God, who should have seen the Son of God and said, this is the servant, instead stood at the foot of the cross and said, he saved others, let him save himself. But he didn't save himself because he wanted to save you and I. And do not forget that truth today. Verse 32 says, let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Now, isn't that interesting? The people that day wanted to see a miracle. If you really are the Messiah, then prove it to us. Show us a miracle and we will believe you. Come off of that cross and then we will know that you really are the Messiah. That's the craziest thing to me. Every time I read that verse, I just shake my head. Jesus had been doing miracles for three years, and they had failed to believe him. He had been doing all kind of stuff. Some of the what we just mentioned, raising people from the dead, making the blind see, causing the deaf to hear. I mean, he had done all kind of stuff. He had fed, he had fed thousands of people with a little fish and a little bread. And it just kept on coming, and they had baskets full of leftovers after it was all said and done. Jesus had produced miracle after miracle after miracle. And they said, but do one more, and we'll believe you. What did they do last, earlier when he, when he did miracles? They said, oh, he's of the devil. That's why he can do these things. He's of the devil. So if Jesus had come off of the cross that day, I think chances are pretty good that they would not have believed him for a moment. They would have continued in their own ways, in their old ways. 
They didn't care what Jesus did. If they cared what Jesus did, he wouldn't have been on the cross to start with. They didn't care what Jesus did. They were simply there that day to mock and celebrate him. And praise the Lord that Jesus did not give in to them like you and I probably do sometimes, right? When people are, are mocking us and poke, poking fun at us and, and hurting us in some way or hurting our family, it's very easy to lash out. But thank the Lord that Jesus did not do that that day. Another lesson for us to consider in our life. The end of verse 32, it says, Even those who were crucified with him were taunting him. Everybody there, it appeared, was against Jesus, at least the ones who were recorded. There were certainly some there in the crowd who loved Jesus. But even those criminals with him, they were taunting Jesus and mocking Jesus. And that's really all we see of those criminals here in Mark chapter 15. But something changed. We see in the other gospel accounts that the criminals were taunting Jesus. But we have a mention in Luke 23, and you can turn there if you'd like to. We have a mention of something different in Luke 23, a detail about these criminals that, that Mark does not give us. Mark says that these criminals were taunting Jesus, and indeed they were. But at some point in time, something must have changed, and we see that in Luke 23, verse 39. Luke chapter 23, verse 39. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Now that's an interesting request there. I don't... The guy acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah, but I don't know if he really cared about the Messiah. He just wanted to be, be, be saved. Look, if you're that good, save, save yourself and save us too while you're doing it. And so he doesn't appear to really care that much about Jesus as the Messiah as much as he does just get me off this cross. Verse 40. But the other answered rebuking him, Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now Mark says that both the criminals were taunting him and, and it appears at some point that was true. Both were toning him, but, but something changed in the midst of what happened there on the cross. I don't know what changed the one criminal's mind. Perhaps he saw the way Jesus reacted or didn't react. Perhaps there was something Jesus said or did in that moment that got this one criminal's attention. And as the toning continued and the one man said, Hey, hey, save us from this stuff. If you're the Messiah, save yourself, save us. And the other guy rebuked him. The other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God? He said, Look, you're here. You're, you're, you're about to die all that you've gone through. You're at the end of your life. Don't you even fear God? He said, Me and you, we're, we're sinners. We're, we're, we're criminals. We deserve this punishment. But not this man. Not this man. He doesn't deserve these things. He's innocent. He's not guilty. 
And the, the other one hanging on the cross there said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He got it. One of the criminals was worried about the here and now. He was worried about in the world. He didn't care about Jesus. He said, save me right here, right now. Meet my needs in this world. But the other one said, I want to be in your kingdom when I leave this world. Which, which of those do we relate closer to? Do we call on Jesus because we realize he's the Savior and because we want to be part of his kingdom both in this life and the life to come? Or do we only call on Jesus for what he can do for us in our, in our times of want and need? One of the prisoners or criminals on the cross that day didn't get it. He didn't care about Jesus, but the other one got it. He said, you don't even fear God, but this one guy, he obviously feared God. Praise the Lord. That's where we all have to start. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this other criminal, he got it. He feared God. And, and something happened in that moment. At the very end of his life, something happened. And he realized that Jesus was the Savior. And he said, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus said, I will. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a great passage for a deathbed confession, by the way. That's a great passage to show us that even up until the moment of our death, God can change our heart. God can change our heart. And perhaps today some of our hearts need to be changed. Maybe even among God's people. Maybe even among some of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe our heart needs to be changed. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've heard the story of the cross a lot. Spent a lot of time reading it. That criminal that had been on the cross with Jesus, the one that, was, that, was, that was, didn't really care about him, he had been up there for a while. He had missed Jesus the whole time, right up until the end he missed him. But not the other guy. He recognized who Jesus was. He recognized who he was before it was too late. What about you? What about me? Have we recognized that? Have we recognized that Jesus is the Savior of the world? That on that cross there, he's the innocent Son of God who died for your sins and for my sins. Today, are we those who say, Lord Jesus, I want to be in your kingdom. I want to be part of your kingdom. I seek you. I come to you. I know you are who you say you are. If you hadn't said that today and the Holy Spirit's working on you and you realize that, that Jesus is the Savior, you need to come to Jesus and say those words just like that, just like that criminal did. And say, Lord Jesus, I want to be part of your kingdom. And guess what? Today you can be part of his kingdom. You may not be in the kingdom that is heaven. You may not be in the place that's apart from this world. But once we come to Jesus Christ, we become part of the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian today, that means you have followed King Jesus. And wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. And so those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ are part of the kingdom in this world. And for those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus, know today that he loves you. That he used his power and all of his love and he hung on that cross to die for you so that you could be forgiven. 
And I hope today that you come and be part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words. What a powerful passage we read as we, as we see what Jesus went through, as we see the words of Isaiah, dear Lord. And God, let us not forget that those words are speaking about Jesus and they're speaking about us. God, we are the ones that, that turn from you. We are like sheep without a shepherd, dear Lord. We have, we have gone astray. We have gone our own way in our sin. But God, let us repent. Let us return. God, let us look to Jesus and know that he is our good shepherd. And as a sheep returns to the shepherd, dear Lord, let, let each one in this room come to Jesus today. God, if there's one that has not put their faith in Jesus, I pray today that they'd do so. I pray that they'd repent of their sins, that they would ask you for forgiveness, that you'd come into their heart, dear Lord, just as you promised you will. God, I pray that they'd come make that decision public today, that we can follow through and baptize them just as your word commands. God, I pray that you be with us today. Help us to be obedient to you. And I thank you for these words. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.